Hello, friends. I'm Renee. And I'm Anna. And you're listening to Fangirl Happy Hour. The almost Hugo Award nominee. Today we're here to talk about our recent convention experiences and the Hugo Awards. Woohoo! Who's excited? I am excited! I am excited! Which I got to be at, which was cool. We will get into that very shortly. And that's pretty much it for today's episode. The end. We went to them. We did. You went to Nine Worlds, and I went yes. to Worldcon. Yep. How was your experience at Nine Worlds? Nine Worlds was great. The third time I've attended the convention. This year, they changed venues to a more centrally located hotel. And the, the greatest thing is that this year, Thea came over from the United States. And we attended the convention together. She was on a panel even about negative reviews. We shall not talk about that panel. Why can't we talk about that panel? (laughs) Because it's off limits to us. Why is it off limits to us, Anna? Why can't we just talk? Why can't we talk about this panel a little bit? I was following this panel on Twitter. I think it got a lot of people very upset but the person that made people upset, I think, is completely unaware that that happened. Didn't they make some kind of comment about how booktubers were just in it for the swag? Yes, and the money. And the money. The money. Because there's so much money in Oh my god, so much money. Oh, wow. So much money. I could feel like the temperature drop in the room by minus 20 degrees in two seconds. I can't believe that happened. I can't believe. Yeah. Uh, but but- the, the, the panel actually really went well. But in overall, the con was great. Apart from this one panel that I attended about YA, they had no YA authors. Why? Exactly. So Minika, a fantastic librarian, again, she was one of my conference this time again. She's so lovely. I love Minika. She was sitting between me and Liz de Yager, who is a YA author, who used to be a blogger. Actually, um, yeah, the- I know her. Yeah, so we always hang out together. Liz is fantastic, and like Minika had to physically restrain the both of us <laughs> during this panel. She had to just pull her hands in front of us because Liz and me were like, "What?" Uh, so there were, I think, four panelists and the moderator. One of them was Sebastian de Castell, who was one of the Campo. Um, nominees this year in the Hugos and he doesn't write YA not yet but he has a YA YA series coming out next year and he was by far the best thing on that panel right he was very knowledgeable about YA he gave examples of very current YA novels he talked about Codename Verity he talked about the girl from everywhere who just literally just came out in the UK so obviously he's more in tune, but the other panelists, they were just so bad. And they obviously did not know what they were doing then, why they were picked to be on a YA panel. And then there was this one 
the, the one lady in the panel, she was like, oh, I don't, I don't know why we should be writing about sex and drugs and those experiences that the teenagers shouldn't be reading about them. And we were like, what? And then this one guy, he was talking about how did he, he didn't see the need for representation. Why do we need to read about ourselves? Of course, the guy is a white dude and he reads about himself all the time. Obviously, doesn't need to read more about himself. And we were just so, everybody was just so, what is happening? So that was the one off note of Nine Worlds. Everything else was brilliant as usual. Everybody just seems to be having so much fun. It just seems like a very diverse con. Everybody's really nice. And I loved it. And Thea loved it. And yeah, I drank a lot of alcohol. <laughs> and met a lot of our fans, apparently. I did. And it was incredible. There was a small indie table at the convention center where you could just put your books there to sell. So we had a few book smugglers publishing books there. And then this guy came over. And I think and I thought that he was coming over to talk about book smugglers. And, and he's like, are you Anna? And I said, yes, from Fangirl Happy Hour. I was like, what? And he was really cool. And I took a picture of him. I asked him if I could send that, his picture to you. And I did. And then a couple of other people came over and talked to me about Fangirl Happy Hour too, which was so great. So great, guys. So great. That happened to me a few times. And I feel really shitty because every time it happened, my brain would short out and I would be greeting this person and they would be telling me their name. I'd be like, oh, it's so great to meet you. I'm really glad you liked the show. And then because I was in this haze of, holy shit, this is happening. I just don't remember any of these people's names and I feel terrible. So I feel like if I met you at Worldcon, I really appreciate you putting me out of my misery about approaching people and coming up to me. But I'm really sorry that I'm not used to this and I entered anxiety haze over being congratulated over a podcast that you like and i just forgot your names <laughs> the worst but it's difficult though because you get caught in that like it's it's a rush of adrenaline because yes someone telling you that they, and then of course what happened to me was that oh my god this person knows a lot about me <laughs> because i talk so much about myself in this podcast right and it's basically me undiluted I undilute you a little. Dilute? I don't, which way do we use this word? God, science. Mm. God damn it. <laughs> anyway, they could know a lot more, but I'm a great producer. So you're yes. welcome. Thank you very much. But still, there's a lot of information there about my... There is a my lot of us. <laughs> this podcast is us. It's us, right? It's much more me than the book smugglers, for example, because I'm not, I don't talk about my personal life in the book smugglers. Like, yeah, you get, you get a lot of me into the way that I write reviews or the way that I engage with books and what I like about books, right? You probably get a little bit more of me on Twitter as well, but not as much as you get here. Here, I talk about my family, I talk about my sister, I talk about the things and the stuff and the and then so I had that moment when meeting these lovely people that, oh my God, you know so much about me. Did you, did you have that too? No, not really, because I tend to not think about myself as like sharing details, even though I am like a block out that I do it. Mostly it was just be, like being approached and having somebody go, hey, I like your stuff makes my brains short out because I'm not used to it. I grew up in a place where that just didn't happen. 
I did not grow up in a creative environment. It's really, I'm still not used to it. I'm still not used to making things and having people tell me they like them face to face. I'm way better at it online where I can like write something and people are like, I really like that. And I'll go, thanks on Twitter and it's fine. But when you're face to face with somebody, it's really different. And I didn't realize how different it was going to be until it happened. I want to say the first person I met was, her name was Chelsea, I think. Anyway, she came up and she said, I heard your voice and I knew who you were. And that's so interesting and fascinating. And I don't know if, what that says about my voice. I guess I have a very particular register. So I don't, know if that's, I don't know if that's a good thing. And I have to spend time with people. I'm really, really good at faces and names. But I have to spend like at least like five or ten minutes with you. And if I spend five or ten minutes with you talking with you later, like a year later, if I see you on the street, I'm going to know who you are. But I have to have that time. So I just feel really bad that I met so many people, but didn't spend enough time with them to like implant them on a, like a brain fold somewhere. Because I'm mostly surrounded by a lot of face blind people. A lot of my friends are face blind. Really? Yeah, I have a lot of friends who are like that. But I've never been like that. I've always been really good at recognizing people. And I think I developed a skill out of defense because I grew up around mostly men and where I grew up everybody had beards it was like a white like a sea of white dudes with beards so I got used to like really focusing on people's like eyes and nose and the rest of their face that wasn't covered by hair so I think I just trained myself to be good at recognizing faces because otherwise it was just like the sea of beards (laughs) I would never be able to recognize I remember going back home to visit my mom once and this older gentleman that my dad had been friends with had had a beard his whole life and I had never known him without a beard and I met him and he had no beard and he was like oh yeah I remember you used to come by the cafe all the time we spend the morning together and I'd be like I don't know who you are (laughs) and he was like sure you do I'm X I'm like holy shit you don't look right what happened to your beard (laughs) I was like I was so rude to this poor old guy (laughs) because I just did not recognize him so downside the beards if you have a beard and I learned your face with the beard, I have to relearn it without the beard. Side oh aggression. It's not about conventions at all. Talking about personal information about <laughs> totally. ourselves. But that's the thing, you see. This is us. We talk about ourselves and our memories and our past and everything. But my point is, thank you so much, guys, for coming and talking to us. Yes, it was it, lovely. It was really, well, I really appreciate it. It was so sweet of people to come up and be like, I like your podcast. Yes. So Nine Worlds was good. Nine Worlds was good. Now tell us about... Worldcon and the Hugos. Worldcon was... All the gossip, please. All the gossip that I can't put in here. You know it. (laughs) Worldcon was huge. And I know it's a smaller con, so I couldn't even imagine going to, like, Dragon Con or Comic Con or some of the anime conventions. Holy shit. And there were always people, and it was really weird to be walking down the hall, and you would just see George R. R. Martin strolling down. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Or you would see John Scalzi just hanging out, talking to a group of people, or... You would see Anne Leckie walking along the hall, talking to people. It was so, like, it was just so surreal to me to be in this space with a bunch of nerds. Because it just <laughs> never happens. I went to so many panels, and I would, like, love to talk about them in detail. But I was so, like, wrapped. I just sat there and listened. I didn't take any notes. I just don't have this type of, like, intellectual engagement with stories and literature and media here i just don't get it there's just nowhere to find it like if the country mouse goes to the city with hearts in my eyes listening to people talk and i feel really bad now because i don't remember enough about the panels to like have opinions about them but that's fine because that was your first con experience 
you just had to experience it to live it, and that's what exactly what you did, and it went. Well, right? Yeah, it went pretty well. I enjoyed most of the things. I think I walked out of one panel out of fifteen, and I was with Ira, one of my lady business co-editors, and KJ, another one of my lady business co-editors, and my partner. And Ira hadn't really been to a convention where panels were a thing. They did a lot of early, early morning paneling that I did not do, <laughs> like academic paneling. Ira came away from the convention going, I really like panels. And I also think that I came away from the convention going, I really like panels because I like learning new things from new people. And I learned so much from the panelists on the panels I went to, except for some of them that were. It's really sad that I mostly remember the negative parts. Like I know exactly I went, what you mean, though, because well, I, just I, mean, talk, I just talked about the panels that I hated more <laughs> than the ones that I liked, so... There was a panel that I went to that I wasn't going to go to, but KJ and Ira taught me into it called Bad Boy Wooby about what makes us like bad boys. And they kept citing Iron Man and I wanted to like be like, excuse me, excuse me. Iron Man should not be in this category. I'm sorry. I know that they want to make him bad, but it just doesn't work. I'm sorry. He doesn't belong in this category. (laughs) I did not do that, Uh. however. But, I can totally see you getting really upset about that. Uh, Marco Shiro, Files Meadows, Sumana, and whose last name I'm not going to mangle here. She's Brain Wayne on Twitter. And I think Goldine Ogawa. Anyway, but it was a great panel. And Marco Shiro is wonderful and has... I've never watched his stuff. He does a lot of like YouTube videos and stuff, but I've never watched them. Because I think back when he started, I was behind on everything. So I would have to spoil myself for some of the stuff that he was like reacting to. So I never did. And I never, never got in the habit. But like he is so well-spoken and charming and smart. And I was like, oh, I want to go to like 16 zillion panels moderated by you. <laughs> it was so lovely. And the conversation was funny. They engaged the audience. And it was so great. And I loved that panel. We got to talk a lot about what makes a bad boy wooby and why that's gendered and what it means for a girl to be i guess you you could also say like for people who are in fandom and don't really know what that term means i think you could probably define it like antihero and putting an antihero in a space where you like redeem and comfort him it was just really fascinating discussion i mean who doesn't like a bad boy right i I like plenty of bad boys but tony stark is not a bad boy i'm (laughs) sorry he's not he does not qualify oh they talked a lot about buffy actually i think which I thought was funny. Yeah, I'm Spike. Like, yeah. I'm, well, that's, the, that's that's my example. Well, I'm like, I'm really glad I watched some Buffy the Vampire Slayer before I went to this panel, because otherwise I'd be lost. <laughs> I went to a panel about fanfiction and professional writing. And mm. It was not good. It did not have the rap panel panelists. There was another panel that I went to where the moderator didn't even understand what the fan exchange was. Gift economies... They didn't understand it. And so I remember that panel because the panelists saved it. Arthur Chu, Rachel Axe, Alyssa Wong. They were on that panel and they saved the crap out of it by being smart and well-spoken and redirecting the discussion to interesting topics. The moderator like made everybody in the audience mad by going, fanzines weren't edited. What? Yeah, like she made the statement like most fanzines weren't edited. And then like three or four people had to stand and be like, excuse me. Uh, yes, they worked. I did it. Well, speaking of moderators, you did not attend the now infamous panel about short fiction. I was not at that panel. No. I mean, I wouldn't have been at that panel anyway. Short fiction and me. We're taking a break. Is it a short break? Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, 
I heard about the panel from people who were friends with the panelists. And then, of course, he's posted the audio. But he didn't get approval from no, people. No, oh, oh my god! And he posted it. Like if you want to, like if you want to hear like an audible trash fire for free, <laughs> you can probably listen to it if you would like. I oh cannot god. believe that he did that. Like you're a grown man, dude. Act like it. So I really enjoyed the panels. I really enjoyed all the food I ate. I ate a bunch of delicious food. Like apparently, the food in Kansas City is amazing. Did and- you eat a lot of barbecue? Yeah, we w- actually went somewhere away from the downtown area where we were, Ooh. where we got to have barbecue, and it was delicious. And I, I got to have fried green tomatoes, which were extra delicious. I'm so sad that I missed it. Yeah, a lot of people walked up to me and were like, where's Anna and Thea? They have a thing, but I can't find them. Uh, we're going to get a table and everything to sell our stories and books, but it just didn't work out. It's okay. There's always next year. Are you going next year? Yes. It's here. It's literally here. The, one of the reasons why I didn't go to Kansas is that just the ticket itself was a thousand pounds to fly over there. I just can't justify that expense for four days. Plus hotels and food and then probably all the books too. So we just ended up staying here and working here. And then from Nine Worlds, we went to Brighton for a few days to work there and relax. And it was great. Tell us everything about the Hugo Awards. This is the part that you really want to know. Yes. There was a reception, which had a lot of people at it. Did you have your official picture taken? No, I did not. KJ Era had the picture taken. I did have like a crisis with the poor photographer. I'm just like, please don't point a camera at me. If I see a camera, I'm going to have a meltdown. He did not understand. He was very patient understanding with me, but he did not understand my issue with cameras. I cannot have cameras pointed at me. It's super, it's a trigger. Like I will literally have an outright meltdown. Okay. Like John Scalzi at his signing. Uh, not his signing, but a reading that he did, which was excellent, by the way. Uh, he's got a short story coming out that's hilarious, and everybody should read it. Yeah. It's about cheese. He took a photo of the audience, and literally, you can see KJ waving from the back and the top of my head because I was hiding oh, my and God. like breathing into my between my legs. Like I was not was not good. I didn't do it in the photos, and I was like torn between excitement and also like abject terror because once you win, there's no way to escape the photos. People take photos oh, yeah. of you without permission. That's true. And I knew that was going to probably happen, but I thought, like, with the unofficial photographers, I could just hide behind KJ and Ira and let them block me from the, like, freelancers. And the official photos, they would just know to take me out. But it didn't matter, because File 770 won, which is great. They did excellent work. Congratulations to Mike Lair and all the filers. Good work on your great commentary. Newsletters are hard work. Hard work. Sometimes lonely. I did one for a couple years. And it was really hard work. I understand how great it is to see newsletter work honored. And the first thing that we said to each other after we lost was, we can go to the Hugo Losers party. Which is, you know, it's one of the best things about losing a Hugo, I guess. At Worldcon 2014, when I lost, we went. And for those who don't know, GR Martin throws this party every year after the Hugos for those who have lost. Even the winners actually end up going to the party after they they are done. They just have to wear a hat or something. Yeah. So it was really great fun. And of course, the best part of that is that then they just dump the stats. When when, when we arrived at, at the place where the party was going to be, 
the stats were already there waiting for us. Did that same happen to you? We were stood. We stood in the convention hall and looked at them on our phone because Natalie Lurs <laughs> tweeted them out. We were just all scrolling on our phones. <laughs> like I was having, like I had a outright like stompy temper tantrum when I saw that you got knocked off the semiprozine ballot. You can ask people who were there. I stomped around and I was like, God damn it, out loud. Again, for the second time. How fun. Good job, Anna. Congratulations on your accomplishment of being erased by some angry white dudes. <laughs> You're doing good work. That's true. Whatever. Do you think that the changes that they have passed will make a difference? It'll make a small difference. It's not going to get rid of it entirely. And as we've learned via some of the people who were used shields and got treated like they were approving of the puppy's message, either because they didn't know and didn't say anything, or they didn't try hard enough to distance themselves, you don't want to be on that slate. And if you're on that slate, and if you don't want to be, you better say something, because otherwise the Hugo voters will treat you like you're taking advantage of the this loophole in the process. I'm kind of curious about what they're going to slate next year, because I feel like they're going to do more shields. Ugh. That sound was me vomiting at the idea of being... I mean, I think they got it. <laughs> I, just to make sure that people understand that I would physically vomit if I am connected with the rabbit puppies in any way, shape, or form. But we we jumped from Worldcon to Hugo Loses Party, but we didn't talk about the Hugo winners. Yeah, let's start at the bottom of the winner's ballot. So Andy Weir won the Campbell Award. I voted for Alyssa Wong, but she was really close. She was really close, which is a big deal considering how widely known he is now. Yeah, absolutely. Then you had Best Fan Artist, which Steve Styles won. Do you know him? No, I admit that I actually ignore this category completely this year. Yeah. I was so discouraged. And he won pretty handily before no award because all the others were slated. Best friend rider, of course, was Mike Lyre. Well deserved. Yes, he did good work. So. That's exactly what a fun writer does, right? That mm-hmm. The work that he did last year with the Hughes is exactly what I think of fun writing. And he won pretty handily above no award, too, and everybody else finished below. If you're slated, you better say you don't want to be. Mm-hmm. And then best fan cast. No award. When this was read, a lot of people clapped. And on Twitter, there was like some tweets going around like, don't clap. That's rude. And then I was like, uh, excuse you, don't tell us how to feel about things. You can feel how you want to feel, but don't tell us our feelings are invalid. I got really upset about whatever tweet that was. I don't know who did it, but I was just like, don't tell people how to feel. Number, rule number one about things. Yeah, especially when a person's kicked out of the ballot for harassment reasons. And it's like, it's very sad that there's no award. That sucks. But this ballot is not a representation of the state of podcasting right now. Definitely not. And yes, so I'm, yes, I'm going to applaud us no awarding this category. Best fanzine, file 770. I'm so sorry you lost. Good job, Mike. Oh, I'm not sorry. I don't care that much. I mean, it was great to be nominated. It was like super, super great to get to hang out with cool people, which is literally what I used it for. I'm like, I get to hang around with cool people. I had my lanyard, and I had two ribbons, Hugo finalist and first world con. Cool. And everybody who would see that was like, what a great combination of ribbons. Super cool. Did you get the Hugo loser one? No, I didn't. I, could, I didn't <gasps> get that one. I've got that one. That was the only one I had, actually. 
Oh my god, I collected so many ribbons, it was a problem. I liked that we got 478 votes. That's freaking awesome. That's a lot of votes. Holy shit. And it's a lot for the Hugos as well. So there's a great contingent of people voting for you. Anyway, thanks for anybody who voted for us. We really appreciate it. Then best of me prozine. And don't worry, we'll talk about we'll talk about the down ballot stuff in a second. Mm-hmm. Uncanny magazine won this. I'm really happy they won, but I'm also like at some point it has to be Strange Horizons. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. Like at some point. And they had the best overall speech, I think, between the three of them. Love uh, is real. Love is real. And then uh, Mishi Trotta was very, a very heartfelt speech. I actually cried. It was super great. Then best professional artist to Abigail Larson. Do you mm. know her? No, I also ignored this category. Me you too. You can see where I got bitter and upset mm-hmm. the most from where I ignored a category. Her speech was her, like her statement or whatever that she's in along was really nice though. Then best editor long form, Sheila E. Gilbert won. And I actually went through the Hugo training process with Liz Gorensky, who was super nice. All right. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Did they have the thing where they tell women not to hold the Hugos a certain way? Because specifically here, they told us not to to hold the Hugos between our boobs. Oh, yeah, they did that. Just just change the fucking statue. Best editor That's... short form went to Aaron Datlow. <laughs> Moving on. I really liked the fact that she sort of joined the other presenters uh, after she won. And then Best Dramatic Presentation Short Form went to Jessica Jones, a.k.a. Smile. And I was so happy. I know. That was such a great episode. Also, I'm really glad that Supernatural finished below No Award. <laughs> that show needs to die. Just end it. Just put us out of our misery. <laughs> Are you still watching it? No, no I quit. I'm so I'm so angry at the show. Like they had, they could do so many interesting things, but they're like, no, no homo, kill all the ladies, kill all the queers. Anyway, so I was really glad to see Jessica Jones win that one. Then best dramatic presentation long form went to The Martian, which we both loved. Which we both loved. I did not love it more than I loved Mad Max Free Road. I don't think I really wanted Mad Max to win. Like I was super surprised that Star Wars. It didn't win this. I know, right? I thought the nostalgia would... Trump the... Yeah, the I thought would, yeah, I really yeah, thought maybe. the nostalgia would in, put Star Wars in the second place, but it's in third place. Because The Martian is the same old story, right? White dude against all odds. But yeah, I think Mad Max would have been a better choice for this one. Well, Age of Ultron ended up where it belonged in position five. I actually really want to watch that movie again. Just to see if it's as bad as I remember it. Good luck. Then Beth's graphic story went to Sandman the Overture. Neil Gaiman was the first one to basically come out and whap the puppies in the nose. <laughs> People were so upset with him. I think who was it? I think it was Larry Correa who wrote a blog post feeling very sour and bitter against Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman, don't forget that these people attacked your friend. Um, Jonathan Ross, when he was supposed to be the presenter of the Hugo Awards in London. Don't you remember who they are? These are the people that you are defending now. And best related work was no awarded because that was the shittiest of all ballads yeah. in the history of the world. The people behind me, and I don't know who they were, when this was being announced, some of them were like hissing. Snake emoji. 
best short story went to Cat Pictures Please by Naomi yes. Kritzer. I was so happy. I you was are like, favorite. You got so many people to read this last year. I was like validated. My love of cats and AI together with an award. I was so happy. Like I met her multiple times and she was lovely every time I met her. And every time I was like, I loved your story. I'm sure I was a creep. Every time I met her, I was like, your story was so great. Best novelette went to Folding Beijing, which I have not read, but I'm going to read now. Yeah, I haven't either. But her speech was really cute. And then Best Novella went to Binti. Rightly so, Binti! So good. I was so happy about that. And we get a sequel. Did you see the cover? Yes, it's gorgeous. So good. And then Best Novel went to The Fifth Season. I was happy with that. Me too. It was the top of my ballot, that one. Until the very last moment, I still didn't know which one I would put on my top. Uprooted this one or Ancillary Mercy. But then it went. I went with the fifth season. I'm really happy that the fifth season won. I'm especially happy because you know how much these people, these puppies have attacked NK Jemsey horribly. She's kind of like the piñata, I guess, for the puppies to yeah. beat on. And this is so well-deserved. She also has a Patreon now, so she can continue writing great things. And I'm so excited for what this means for her fiction. Oh my gosh, I know. Because her fiction's already so good. Can you imagine being able to just concentrate on that? I can't think about it too closely. I'm getting too excited. Let's go back now to the (laughs) stats and start over from the bottom, where we look at some of the categories that we feel that we got cheated out of. Like the Campbell Award, Becky Chambers was there, Sunil Patel was there. I know! Isabel Yap. We can't ever know which of these people would have ended up on the ballot if without the without the slates. But I think it's really cool to like if you look right under that line, you can really see a reflection of where the field actually is. Yes. And I love that Sunil is there. I know so much, so much. And then we get to best fan artist, where I just want to throw things at stuff, guys. (laughs) Guys, Euclid is the greatest artist she is so good she got 38 nominations and i'm just like guys she's so good and lee kane as well Uh, yeah her too like great work she did the cover for the vishakanya's choice for us yes i remember that one beautiful yeah and she does such great work uh, Mm -hmm. on twitter that i see for other covers i'm just like oh yeah and she's a poet too and in Best yeah. Thin Writer, we get Alexandra Aaron. She, she was super cute. I went up to her at the party after the Hugo's was toasted by Helsinki. And she was there. And it was just like, oh, congratulations. She's like, what? I'm like, you were on the extended ballot. The puppies knocked you off. And her reaction was just so cute. Because nobody had told her. I'm like, why did nobody tell you? You're right here. <laughs> she Later that night, she had an Alfie. And I was like, thumbs up. Natalie Lures is here. Mako Shiro is here. Once again... Abigail has knocked off the ballot. Ugh. I'm gonna, me and I'm gonna, I wanna fight somebody. I swear, swear to God. I also find it really interesting that George R. R. Martin is on the fan writing ballot. I know, and I thought that was super cute and super cool because yeah, he but so much... he's also all the way down there though. I know because you don't think of him like as a fan writer. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Um. Now that now that people know, mm-hmm, I bet he'll be higher if he continues mm-hmm. writing about the Hugo's. But I think that's cute. Anyway, I just I think it's cute. Yeah. Then we get to the category that you want to talk about, which is best fan cast. <laughs> Where, without the puppies, the ballot would have been Tea in Jeopardy, Galactic Suburbia, 
Hi guys! Verity, the Skiffy and Fanty Show, and Fangirl Happy Hour. How incredible is this? That's this not, is no, this no, this. I don't even know what to like. I just want to go to everybody who did this and like, guys, we were in our first year and our audio quality was terrible for like the first <laughs> six months. <laughs> but thank you so much. Thank you for like taking pity on us and understanding. Thank you for sticking with us as well through, I know. through no. some really, I mean, terrible, terrible audio situations. <laughs> <sighs> I was so happy to see this. He's 89 people. Somebody was like, are you disappointed? And I'm like, no, look at that. It's 89 people. Oh, it's so, so cool. Great. They put your name last. And I don't understand why. Oh, that's true. You should be first. Always. In every it, situation. Because you are the producer? I don't know, but you should be first. Email them and be like, dear Hugo people, please put Anna first so I can hide behind her in every situation. No, <laughs> no you are the producer. Your name comes first. I also see that Jay and Miles explain the X-Men made this. I know. That's super neat. And before this had, a, when I was looking at this, this had a typo. And Jay, is, Jay and Miles was typoed as Coot Street again. So people were thinking that they were split up and that Coot Street actually had more than 83 nominations. But it was a typo, and they meant mm-hmm. Jay and Miles explain the X-Men, but that error has been corrected. Yeah. And it's super cool to see that, wait, after being corrected, it's this cool comics podcast. This long list is actually the state of, po- like, SF podcasting. Exactly. This is what that's, it really that's... looks like. And then we go up to Best Fanzine, where you can see how Black Drape dropped out, and we took their place. What's really sad here is that A Dribble of Ink is here. And it was this last chance, right, to be yep. there again. Same with SS Signal. And that's just really sad. Yeah. Nerds of a Feather is here, too. And, you know, I think about, like, blogs that I would consider award-worthy, and it's really sad because so many of the blogs that I love are closing. I know! I'm really curious what's going to happen in this category in, like, ten years. And then we maybe, to- we'll be, maybe we'll be, like, Twitter feeds. Oh, boy. You're eligible for FanRider uh, for Twitter feeds, I would think. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Then we have Best Semi Prosy, where underneath the line, Abyss and Apex and the Book Smugglers. Mm-hmm. You got 193 votes. Congratulations. Mm, thank you. Do you know, it means that if this had been a regular year, you and me would have been double Hugo nominees. That's true. Seriously. Like, mm-hmm. you're in the same category as Uncanny and Strange Horizons. How does it feel? I think we actually belong there. I am not a humble person. That's why we love you, Etta. I've been doing this for eight years, guys. Do you know what? I had a moment of breakdown with Diane. Let me tell you what the book smugglers are. The book smugglers are a blog that started with a known English mother tongue Brazilian woman together with a Filipino American. We started talking about paranormal romance and urban fantasy in our blog. And we grew it to a point where we have hundreds of thousands of readers. From there, we expanded into our own publishing house. All of it, just the two of us, for the past eight years. I think we belong in a Hugo ballot. Congratulations. It's a lot Thank of work. Thank you. It is a lot of work. I'm really and I'm very it. proud of it. I am proud of it. I am proud of myself, too. Next is Best Professional Artist. That was another category that kind of got 
mucked up. But if you look down the ballot, you will see there are really great people in the industry that do great art that are there. Mm -hmm. Like Cynthia Shepard is there. And I'm pretty sure Cynthia Shepard is the person who did the art for Karen Memory by Elizabeth Bear, which was beautiful. Isn't Victor Nagai, I think he does really great work for Tor.com too. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Really beautiful covers. I'm actually surprised that he's right the way down. And John Harris, who does all those really nifty space scenes. And then best editor, long form. If you look below the line, Debbie is there. Yeah. And Joe Monty from. Oh, yeah, Saga Press. And Miriam Weinberg. I know. I was so super cool. excited to see that because mm-hmm. she's like the youngest editor at Tor right now. Yeah. Well, she does such great work, though. I met her at Worldcon and she was. She's lovely. And then best editor, short form. Below this line, we look at and we see the people who are big right now. Yeah. And doing really good work. Like Lynn, Lynn and Michael are here. And yeah. A lot of anthologists, right? Mm-hmm. And Cece Finlay is there mm-hmm. and Vandermeer. Best Dramatic Presentation Short Form. Underneath the line was interesting because I wasn't really, I didn't really care that much about some of these things. I have no idea what they are. uh, I'm pretty sure that Dulcinea is an episode of The Expanse. Oh. And so is, maybe so is CBQ, but I'm not sure about Hard Home. I'm not positive. But a lot of people, a lot of my friends who watch Person of Interest think that per- that person of interest episode should have been there and oh, okay. it, was, it was awful that it wasn't because it was such a good episode because i'm guessing oh, okay. that person of interest is about uh, like artificial intelligence so uh, good good job guys your frothing has made me interested in person of interest finally then best dramatic presentation long form below the line we got some things that like inside out which i think would have been a nice yeah i really love that but i'm not unhappy with the best dramatic presentation no. long form ballot as it is. Although it was really interesting because Jessica Jones was there. Season one, yes. Yeah, and Sense8 too. Yeah, and Sense8. I like Jupiter Sending. I know. <laughs> the very bottom. It still made the long list. It still made the long list. I'll take it. It made the long list. I'll take totally. it. Totally. Totally. And then, if you want to know the real state of graphic novels in SF right now, you have to look below the line and Best Graphic Story were It's Bishop Planet Volume 1, Nimona, Saga Volume 5, Miss Marvel Volume 2, the Unbeatable Squirrel Volume 1. Like, oh every... God. And if you keep going down, it just gets, like... It's even more, like... The Wicked oh, and Divine yeah. Volume 2. The nominees make the SF field look like we have no fucking clue what's going on. Yeah. But we actually do. Best Related Work is where all the stuff is underneath the line. So you have Letters to Trip Treat, which yeah. I also literally screamed out loud about in the convention hall. Because uh, I was so angry. Then Felicia Day's book is there a piece by Alexander Aaron that was a parody of something that Fox Day wrote, I guess. Queers of Source Science Fiction was there. Best Short Story had one of the stories that I nominated. In fact, several of my choices were here. The first five underneath the line were The Hungry Daughters of Starving, Starving Mothers, Wooden Feathers, Today I am, I am Paul, Tuesdays with Mulakesh the Destroyer, and Madeline. I nominated Wooden Feathers by Ursula Vernon, Pocosin by Ursula Vernon, Three Cups of Grief by Starlight by Aliette de Bodard. So mad. It's it's just so sad and frustrating. It really is. I mean, how many times can I say that? Not very, I mean, you can continue saying it. I'm fine with it because I, <laughs> I'm, I, I feel you. I feel you. Because I'm also frustrated. Best novelette, I think it would have been hilarious because so much cooking by Naomi Kritzer is there. Oh, that was so good. I mean, I liked it. It was cute. I mean, I still like Catch Pictures, but it's better. That would have been so funny. <laughs> Because you know 
what would have happened if Naomi Crutcher had been done. Oh, about yes, twice. that would be the deal if you were a dinosaur, my love. And Next year, there will be multiple parodies. So much cooking, so much fucking, so much... Yeah. But no, like, what 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 would have happened is they would have thrown a big fit, even though when they did this the first time, John C. Rott was fucking everywhere, and that was totally fine, apparently. It's okay when they do it, but if we do it, it's a problem. Yeah. And yeah. I guarantee you that would have been a talking point. In Best Novella, underneath the line, there were Fear of the Unknown and Self-Loving in Hollywood, which I have no clue what no. that's about. Never even heard of it. The Popper Prince and the Eucalyptus Gin. I can't apparently say eucalyptus very well. <laughs> I'm really bad at that word. Water Vers- Waters of Versailles. The Citadel of Weeping Pearls. I'm very surprised the Sorcerer of the Wild Dips is so further down. Well, I was going to read it, and then once they told me, people told me at the end, I was like, nope, I'm out. I know. I know. So that might be why. It got a lot of buzz, and then people t- figured out what it was about. And I know. It's so beautiful. But it's just so fucked up. Yeah. I actually was surprised that Rolling in the Deep by Mira Grant was lower than it, than it was. At. That was really good. I really liked that one. Like, I thought it would be higher, because I heard so much about it. But I guess it was just in my little bubble. And then in Best Novel... I think that the long list is really interesting. And we're going to ignore the book by John C. Wright. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> Golden Sun by P- Pierce Brown. Agent of the Imperium by Mark Miller. Aurora by Kim Stanley Robinson. And I think two of those are puppy picks. Oh, yes, definitely. Um, Care and Memory by Elizabeth Baer. The Trade of Barrow Cormorant by Seth Dickinson. The Just King by Jill Walton. The Grace of Kings by Ken Liu, Sorcerer to the Crown by Zincho, and The Water Knife by pa- Paolo Bacigalupi. There are so many books there that would have been super interesting to discuss. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm really sorry, Jim Butcher. Like, I'm sure you read great novels, but I would have much rather have seen Sorcerer to the Crown or Care Memory. Yeah, or even Aurora, which I hear is amazing. I haven't, but I haven't read it. But, you know, I would just have... Or, like, even for, like, a total curveball, The Just King by Joe Walton. Could you imagine that book? Because as far as I can tell from reading reviews, it's not really... It maybe has, like, some kind of time travel, but mostly it's about... Old over... philosophers and gods just... Yeah, talking about stuff. Talking about the world. Could you yeah. imagine if that had been, like, what great discussions we could have had? <laughs> but no. That's how... That's where we ended up. That was it. Yeah. But that's fine. You know, it's fine. We'll get through this... One day, these people would just forget we exist. We can only hope. That's our breakdown of the Hugo Awards oh, for... And the cons that we cons. attended. I had a lot of fun. Me too. Another year with our intelligent commentary on the infamous Hugo Awards. we have finished discussing all the convention and Hugo stuff. Let's talk Rex. What do you got for us this week? After Nine Worlds, Thea and I went to see Harry Potter and the Cursed Child 
in the theater. I got those tickets. I don't know if you remember last year in October where I queued for six hours online to be able to get those tickets for this particular day because that's when Thea would be here. And I got them. We were sitting way up there with partial view of the stage. But even so, it was the most amazing experience I can't even begin to describe. I spent the because there are two parts. So there are basically two plays, right? So you go for part one, and there's an interval in that, and then you have two hours break, and then part two with an interval. I spent the whole of part one crying. Just because people just walked on stage and I was already crying. Before they start talking, I was already crying. It was ridiculous. I would look at my partner who went with us and look at the and she was like, dude. <laughs> I was like, I can't. I can't stop crying, Thaya. <laughs> Help me. And then when we realized what the play was about, hashtag keep the secrets, we were like freaking out. Oh my God, it's a X, Y, Z story. It was just incredible. The acting was superb, was phenomenal. And it totally made up for the fact that the dialogue was so bad and parts of the story were so bad. I really hate that most people will only get to read the script and not see it the way that it was meant to be seen. And I find that very unfair to the huge numbers of fans that this series has. This needs to become movies and or full books as well. But if you can manage, it's not cheap. It's only in London. Tickets are sold out until December 2017. But if somehow you can make it, I really highly recommend it. If you are a fan of theater, if you are a fan of Harry Potter, it was just incredible. I freaked out so much, so many times. They and I we were just screaming at each other. Not even the filthy drunk couple in front of us with the lady falling down throughout the play made it a bad experience. What about you, Renee? What do you have to recommend? My recommendation is sleep. You never know how great it is until you can't do it. You know, because I've been talking to you about it for a while. Mm-hmm. That sleep hygiene is really key to me staying not a hot garbage mess. I don't sleep enough. It's not pretty. Let's just put it that way. I used to be on a really good schedule and then I got sick and I got off of it and then there was a bunch of travel and then Zach's heart surgery and moving or maybe maybe moving, maybe not moving. Then Worldcon. Like I'm so stressed. Like my hair is falling out. That's how stressed I am. <clears throat> I've been having trouble sleeping so I finally tried to get back to this really strict sleeping schedule where I get off all screens an hour before I go to sleep. Yeah. That's really hard for people. And like, I'm a person who already has like flux, that little thing that makes your screen warmer and cooler depending on the time of day. I'm already doing that, but an hour before bed, no more screens. And then I have to do something else for that hour. And so I've started doing this again and I'm starting to sleep better. And it's so nice. Oh, nice. I'm so happy for you. And I know a lot of people are like, no, no, I can lay on my phone in the dark in my bedroom and sleep fine. No, I disagree with you. Science disagrees with you. If you are jamming blue light into your eyeballs in a dark room, trying to sleep, quote unquote, you are failing. You are deliberately keeping your body awake. That is true. I've been doing the same. As you know, I've been told by my doctors that I need to change my lifestyle. And one of the first things they told me to do was to turn off my mobiles or any screens one hour before bed. And I've been doing that and it's been great. 
the blue light is you don't realize Death. how bad it is until you aren't you know letting it fry into your retinas and then trying yep. to go lay down in bed blue light is the worst it's the worst i am recommending sleep a good night of it without blue light i second that put your phone down don't touch it do not read fanfic until can't touch it dun, 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 dun. on dun, your phone dun, dun. can't touch it dun, 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 dun. Na, 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 na. Anna, we made it to the end of another show. Go us. We did it. Thank you so much for being a great host. Thank you for being so wise. Our music this week is by Boxcat Games, and our instrumentals are by Chuki Music on YouTube. The cool art you see when you download our podcast was made by Ira, and you can commission them at justera.tumblr.com or ping them on Twitter at It's Just Era. If you want to support the show, we love retweets and reblogs of our episode announcements. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell strangers. Uh, subscribe to our newsletter. Leave a review on iTunes. We appreciate all your support. If you want more of us between episodes, you can by catching us on Twitter at Fangirl Podcast. I'm on Twitter at Renee. And I am at Booksmugglers. And as always, Space Bees, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. way of carrying stuff is between your boobs i mean come on <laughs> i mean for some people maybe <laughs> it just feels so nice <laughs> oh anna oh anna <laughs>